All right, ladies. So today, prepare your hearts because we have another great guest interview. And I kind of want to explain something here. I always say, prepare your hearts when we have a guest on. And maybe you're wondering, why do I say that when we have a guest and not when I do a solo episode? But the reason is because I really want you to know that the women that I bring onto the podcast to interview are really special women. I have sourced them out myself. I've listened to them in several conversations or on other podcasts. I've gone and done research on them. I've done my due diligence. I check into them. I see what they're doing out there in the world and all the great stuff. And then I reach out to them, even though some of them are huge and, you know, sometimes you take the risk of them saying no, but they've all said yes. But I wanted you to know that I hand curate and pick these women to come onto the podcast because they are doing dynamic things in the world of health and especially for other women. I don't do, I usually don't take people onto the podcast that come through a booking agency or anything else like that because I really want to invest my time and effort into the women that I really feel need to be showcased into the world and to all of you too. So know that all these women that we bring on the show, they are special in some way, shape, or form, if not in multiple ways. And today is no exception. So I do want you to prepare your hearts because today we're going to be having a great conversation with Sandra Peltier. And I heard Sandra speak several times on other podcasts, looked up all of the stuff about her and said, this is a woman after my own heart, truly, because she is in the women's health space. So let me tell you a little bit about her before we dive into a fabulous conversation. And I mean a fabulous conversation. All right. So Sandra is unforgettable. Yes, she is. And her fierce, grounded, common sense approach leaves a lasting impression on all who meet her. And that is definitely true because she left a lasting impression on me. She's a single mom. She's a daughter and she's a breast cancer conqueror. She's the CEO and she's a trailblazer. As one of the most dynamic women in today's biotech industry, she leads Evofem Biosciences, a company revolutionizing women's healthcare with innovative products, meeting the unmet needs of millions of women. Sandra has been responsible for the company's rapid growth, including Evofem's transition to the public market in January 2018 and multiple equity funding rounds that have raised in excess of $5 million. Under her leadership, Evofem recently launched Fexi, and we're going to be talking about that product today. The first and only FDA-approved non-hormonal on-demand contraceptive and is spearheading the development of Evo 100, an investigational product currently in phase three clinical trials to prevent chlamydia and gonorrhea in women, two common STDs for which there is no prescriptive products available. Now that is fantastic. So let me tell you, ladies, when I meet another woman who's in the world of women's health and especially in the product realm of something that I am very, very knowledgeable around. And I can tell you, I've been prescribing hormonal contraceptions for years. There has been no new contraceptive oral, there's been no new contraceptive product introduced into the market until Fexi. So you're going to learn all about that too. So with no further ado, ladies, please let's dive into the episode and yes, prepare our hearts and listen to Sandra. And then afterwards, let me know what you think. Hit us over on you know Instagram at Well Woman Network DM us and let us know. Did you like this episode? 
did you get anything out of it? And go over and check out Sandra, check out Fexi. And you know, ladies, it is my pleasure to bring you these wonderful ladies. So let's dive on in. Hey there, and welcome to the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Broad, Millennial Women's Health Guide and Certified Women's Health Nurse Practitioner. I invite you to join me and hundreds of other women who are curious about their health, want to be their number one self-care advocate, and want to build a health portfolio that is robust enough to carry them through every facet of their lives. The Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast is the only resource you need to start, grow, or level up your health to the fullest potential. Discover why women all over the globe call the Well Woman Healthy Lifestyle Podcast their go-to women's wellness hub, where we talk about women's wellness, we talk about business, life, and everything in between, all the things that pertain to us women being healthy. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community. All right, ladies, well, welcome back. And today we have a great guest, Miss Sandra from Fexi. So Sandra, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really am glad that you're here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. Well, here's, here's the thing. So, you know, in reviewing and trying to, you know, getting you on here, because I was very excited when I heard your story a couple of times, you know, I feel like I, I already know you, <laughs> you don't know me, but I kind of know you. <laughs> so I'm a people watcher and everything. And, you know, just your story, I heard your story on another podcast, a couple of times on a different podcast that you did. And it just really fascinated me, you know, how you even got started, number one, into this whole journey of women's health, because, you know, that's my field too. So whenever I see somebody else who's very passionate about women's health, I just kind of go, oh, you know, like to, how did they get here? So tell me a little bit about the backstory. I know that you said that, you know, your mom and, and her circle of friends, they kind of, you know, got you started in this or to think about, you know, your body and yourself and as a woman differently. And I know now that with, you know, with self-care being so huge, it's like such a pop word these days, you know, um, tell me a little bit about that and how that got you on this journey. And then we'll kind of follow that journey to where you are today. Great. Thank you. So to your point, I feel like sometimes what you choose chooses you. And so when I grew up, it was in a very, very rural, small town. And it is literally the northernmost city in the United States on the border of Canada called Caribou, Maine. And I joke that I was the horse that my mom and her friends bet on. They all put all their money. They went all in on me. And what I mean by that is, is that they really did feel like they were never educated about their bodies and how they work. They were never educated about their choices. It was only and always suggested to them that they would be more noble if they put themselves second, their spouses come first, their kids come first. But even any kind of self-care was never even something that was supposed to be on a priority list for women. And so what was so interesting is that it was almost like they put all their hopes and dreams, they implanted them into my head. And all of them said, look, when it's time to leave here, you should leave and never come back. And if you want us to visit you, send us a plane ticket. And of course, <laughs> I'd never been on a plane. None of them had ever been on a plane. And so, but I will tell you that it was really about having choices, having good choices, and being able to really decide what you deserve, right? You decide what you deserve. And by the way, that can be anything. It's not about having to choose one or the other, you know, being a, an executive or working or being a mother. It's about you decide what balance you want in your life. And, you know, you slice your life in whatever way you want. And if you're happy, well, you should deflect all the other judgment kind of thing, you know, you yeah. do you. So, so yeah, so that's where it came from is that really being surrounded by women who 
felt like they got sold short, frankly, that they got sold short and that they wished that the next generation had a better runway than they did. Yeah, I mean, I, I see, you know, the, I, I think that we've come farther than that. I still think we have a long way to go as women because I, you know, in my in my field too, just like you, you probably see in women's health, women tend to put themselves, they put everything else before them. They'll put their family's health first. Yep. They put their businesses even before their own health. And then it's like, oh, I'll take care of that someday. And then when they're burnt out, it's like, okay, now I think that day is today. So I'll, I'll start doing that today. So it's important that you said that. And, you know, I love to um, what you pointed out too, you know, I, people know that I don't like the word balance. I like flow better because, you know, every day it's different. And what that looks like for you is different. And there's no judgment on that because my life is different than yours. And you have to kind of look at that from that perspective and kind of see what works for you. So I think that's awesome. And I think that it was awesome that your mom implanted that in your brain and that I, you know, it's always great to have all those women in your corner, you know, like pushing you do good, do good. We'll follow you. Get out of here. You know, they know that you've got bigger aspirations than that. So that's cool too. So um, you know, I know that you worked way up in your company and your status and your career very fast. And, you know, at 34, you became a vice president of GP Cyril and that, you know, talk to me a little bit about that and how did that trajectory like influence you to keep going in this path and keep you on that, on the same women's health trajectory? Yeah. So I have done, I say almost every job in the pharmaceutical industry. So I did, I carried a bag. I was a rep. I called on OBGYNs. I had women's health care products. I was a manager. I was a regional manager. I launched a national sales force. I was in U.S. marketing, international marketing. But here were the aha moments that really mattered, that as I maneuvered my way up the corporate ladder, it was much more, much more pervasive then and much more overt that women really didn't get the same opportunities. And I know that that still exists today, but it was much more prominent then. And not only did they not get the same opportunities, they actually thought they didn't necessarily deserve them. Yeah. It was almost like this crazy mind control over women that they thought, well, at least they made it to a certain level. So that was good enough. And maybe they shouldn't want more. And so at, there was one moment in time when I was selected out of a, we had 1500 people and I was selected out of a handful of top performers, 50 people to go and be assessed over a week's time, every day we were assessed, we stayed at this off-site remote hotel. It kind of looked like The Shining. It really <laughs> and, then, and then, so, and the point was, is they said, we're evaluating you against a new standard of excellence, not against each other, a new standard of excellence. And so every night we had these incredible tests we had to do, stuff that would normally take you a month to do, you had to do in a night. Bottom line is, at the end of that week, they gave us a sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper was a list of 50 lines. And they told us to rank everybody in order. And I said, what are you talking about? We were told that we were being ranked against a new standard of excellence, not against each other. I've been so focused on these tasks. I don't even know some of these people's names. And I was sort of like melting. And they're like, Miss Pelletier, calm down. Just put down as many names as you can remember. Bottom line, when I went in for my evaluation, I said, why would you have us do that? And they said, all that matters is who you put first. Because if you don't think you're worth it, why should anybody else? Wow. Why would anybody else follow you if you don't think you deserve to lead? And they told me that I should feel so amazing because the other eight women who were there put me number one. Wow, great. But I said, why wouldn't they put themselves number one? Right? Why wouldn't they? Like what happened to them? Right? Why wouldn't they have the confidence to do that? And for me, that's when it was a moment where I thought to myself, you know what? 
I have to figure out a way to move up the corporate ladder as fast as possible because power equals influence. It yes. just does. And so I wanted to get as high as I could, as fast as I could, so that I could help make better and different decisions for women and try to help imprint on their minds that they do decide what they deserve. And they are not only equal, oftentimes superior skills, depending on what the job is. And so that was sort of when I sort of got the bug of, I really want to help empower women to maximize whatever, whatever potential they want. And so it was then, and long story short, and I'll stop being so verbose, is that when that company I worked for for such a long time sold, instead of taking a job with the new entity, which I was offered a job, I decided to leave. And I wrote a book called Saddle Up Your Own White Horse. And it was really about trying to convince women to really lean into, to be a deliberate creator and to figure out, you know, what they wanted in their life and really practical tips how to get it. Yeah, no, you know, I, that's, it's fascinating. And you should start a, you should start a network to help women with that. I know, I know if in your spare time, that is, because, <laughs> no, it's so true. Me and my girlfriend, we were talking the other day, cause I go on my, I, we go on walks and when I walk, we, we, we record these things to each other. And we were talking about that, that I think part of that is because there's so much male energy. Okay. Not that male energy is bad because we all have female and male energy in us. Okay. But I think when we look to you know, who's out there that we can look up to. A lot of them are males. And even though we're female and we go and we look up to them, we take them, we start taking on those masculine traits and try to put them on ourselves. And then I think some of us, you know, like for me, for the longest time, it was like, okay, this just doesn't feel right. It's not jiving inside my body. And I was like, at this juxtapose with myself, like, okay, they're telling me I need to do this and this is how you win, but I don't feel like that. So what do I do? Oh, I have to do that because that's what they say. And this is how you do it. So you end up doing it. And then you kind of lose yourself in that perspective. And that's where, you know, I, I took like a year off just kind of thinking, you know, where am I in all of this? You know, where, you know, what matters to me? Because I'm so used to, you know, you listen to all these other influences. And then we were talking about this female energy and it kind of dawned on me, that's, that's it. We don't have enough female people out there showing us how to lead you know, in anything that we do from a female perspective and how that can be good and how you can jive that with your male energy. Oh, do you know what? I love that you just said that. I am telling you this, if we could figure out how to communicate that to the masses, because by the way, to your point, we do have male and female energy, but harnessing our female energy to really make progress, right? Get results. Because I want to tell you, I, I, I had the almost same experience where I was really trying to only lean into my masculine energy. That was the way I was going to get ahead. And I was lonely and miserable. And I just was unhappy. I was just unhappy. And I was a little bit toxic. And, Mm -hmm. and it was finally kind of like, I was like, God, I just like, don't even like, where am I? Like, I almost was looking in the mirror, like, hello, are you in there? Come back out, you know? And so honestly, I had an opportunity too to take a bit of a beat and say, look, there has to be room, room for using this female quotient. And so I'm with you that I look as a leader of my company of Evofem, I use every female energy skill that I have, meaning I I really operate with kindness, meaning that not look, I say, look don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Okay. Yes. <laughs> don't do that. You will pay for that. You know? 
But kindness is how we should operate first. Like the greatest human need is the need to be significant. I know all these people's birthdays and their spouses and their kids and what matters to them. And if they could do anything, what would it be? It probably wouldn't be working in biotech. They might be a chef or an artist. And I care about all of their dreams. And I really do try to say like, this is as much of a family unit as we can make it. Because you spend as much time at work as you do at home. But I will tell you this, it is Every man that works at our organization has said that they've never worked at a company like this because they feel cared for and cared about, which yep. makes the women certainly, but the men contribute more. They contribute more because it's not just, they're not just a, a name that's delivering an output, you know, and, but women can do that. I think naturally, sometimes men have to learn it. Women, I think we innately, right, have that side where we want to bring the best out of people through goodness, you know, not through whipping them. Yeah, no, I, I, it's so true. And I think that women, you know, you try to put that out there in so many workplace in the workforce today in so many different jobs. And I think that you, you get put down so much, not, you know, I'm not hearing that from you, but in a lot of places that you just, you just get beat down that you just don't want to even come to the plate. You know what I mean? And it's like, like in the world of medicine, like you said, it's very male dominated. And even if you're a female in this world, you still have to kind of come across because you're still looked at second best, even if you, you know, whatever, even if you're a doctor in MD, other male doctors still look at you incompetently. So it's crazy, but it still exists. So it's weird, yeah. you know? And I always said that, you know, you don't have to show people not necessarily like through monetary, like money ways, but there's a lot of ways to show people that you value them, you know, in everyday things. And I think that especially, you know, in this time when we're living in COVID it, and we're coming out of that, out of, you know, post pandemic stuff, more and more people just are wanting that. And I was, look, I was listening to another statistic today that last year in 2020, 4.8 million people quit their jobs and they're calling this the big resurgence. Okay. Like they all, they're leaving, they're forming their own. And it's not just because a lot of people got let go. It's because they realized that they were unhappy and like being stuck at home and seeing given other opportunities, you know, and they just felt like, hey, you know, we're in this dark time and then I'm not really happy over here. So they're leaving and we're seeing all these people start their own stuff to find some happiness in the workplace. So I think what you said is great. And, you know, hey, maybe I'll come work for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that would be great. But no, I think you're right. Look, I think you're really onto something important. And by the way, maybe COVID, this whole time of this dark place is an opportunity for women to really lean into their leadership style. And, and you know, the final thing to say on that is that one of the things that is interesting feedback that I've gotten consistently is that I am able to say really hard things in a softer way, but still deliver the message. Do you know what I mean? And, yes. and you know, and even in like difficult confrontational times with like other partners, I'm able to say, you know, look, here's the deal. You know, um, this can either go positive or it can go negative. One of us is going to be in a timeout. I don't know who it's going to be, but let's just talk about it. You know what I mean? In a way that men can, that's what I want to encourage women to do is to use our natural language and communication skills and heart-centered ways to make what could be more toxic situations in the workplace easier, more seamless, right? It doesn't have to always be so dramatic. You know, it can be easier than it is, but absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. So, you know, okay. So let me know when you start doing this and you write a book on, it, I'm going to be first in line. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. So, all right. So I had on the podcast, I had Corinne um, and she's from Diva Cup and she was talking about, you know, um, she comes from a perspective of, you know, period in inequity. 
And so I know from now I'm flipping the tables here and going to talk to you about this contraception inequality that's out there. So talk to me a little bit about that because you founded, you know, Woman Care Global. I know that you're not there yet, right now, correct? Yep. Yep. But you founded it on this principle of trying to get equality in the space of contraception. And I really am fascinated by that. So tell me a little bit about that and how that came about. And even though you're not there anymore, what is that? How, how is that impact still moving on today? Yeah. So the premise of Women Care Global was that donations do not work, that you have to create a sustainable model for the poorest of women, that they can pay something to maintain their integrity, maintain their pride, but they also don't want a generic product that's expired. So for me, the idea of economic impact was that when a woman can choose when and if and how often she has children by choice, not chance, by choice. So here's what I mean by that is that all over the world, women are exactly the same. I really mean that. I mean, I've spent time all over the world, the largest slum in Africa and Kibera. These women don't want four and five children that they can't feed and clothe and educate. They're desperate to have a better life for their kids. But the one thing that was game-changing is access to contraception. That every, if, whether you care about clean water or energy or air, whatever you care about, if there are less people on the planet by choice, everybody else wins, right? And so that's why I cared about sustainable supply of contraception, because I knew that these women were suffering. But I'll give you an example. When you're illiterate and you're in a country where you think it's against your religious belief to take contraception, right? Because all the men in your village told you that their virility is measured by how many kids they have, right? And then all of a sudden you start having headaches and you don't feel like yourself. And these hormones are doing something. You think you're being punished. So you stop taking it. So for me, that experience led me to the product that we have now, Fexi. And the mm -hmm. reason is that since 1960, the category of birth control has been dominated by hormones, literally dominated. Yeah. Women are told every single day, you have to put a synthetic hormone in your body every day of every week of every month, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And oh, by the way, we know you don't have sex every day, but too bad. You've got to take it every day anyway. And that's just the responsibility of the woman. Now, some women like their hormone. I say, good for you. That's not who I'm talking to. But a lot of women do not like their hormones. So 23 million women right now in the US will tell you they are beyond hormones. They'll say, I've tried pills and patches and IUDs that the side effects aren't a myth. It's not one day a month that I had headaches and weight gain and bleeding. But the big part is the covert side effects that nobody talks about. These women say to me, I started crying for no reason. I started feeling a little bit of anxiety. My husband said, you're a different person. Why are you so short tempered all the time? What's going on? And they say, well, then I got put on an antidepressant. Or then I went on an anti-anxiety. And then finally, somebody realized it was my birth control that I didn't even need to be taking every day that was changing the way I felt. So for me, that whole history was really about trying to figure out a way to give women access to protect themselves from getting pregnant, impact their quality of life in a positive way. So they felt empowered and in control, felt good about themselves, didn't have side effects. And so that's why I'm so excited that this product, it does that, right? There's no systemic side effects. You only use it when you have sex. And what's so great is that it's also in a pre-filled applicator. So a, a, a prescription is a box of 12. You okay. use one applicator every time you have sex. So you put it in right before sex or within an hour, and then you won't get pregnant. 
And we also, final point, is that we're in a phase three study. So we are going to also be able to show that not only will you not get pregnant, you also will be able to prevent yourself from getting chlamydia and gonorrhea. Oh, wow. Yeah, really? Wait, and you ready for this crazy statistic? In the United States, there's 1.8 million cases every year of chlamydia and 600,000 of gonorrhea. So yep. it's really crazy. The numbers are staggering. Yeah, and there currently is no birth control that's out there that protects you from STDs. We always have to give the STD speech along with the birth control. But yeah, I can tell you that I have a lot of patients who just, you know, fall in that category. They don't like, they don't like having to take it every day or we'll talk about it. Like, especially, you know, women whose husbands are deployed, you know, they're in the military and they're, and they're coming back and forth and they just, they don't like it. And then I've had people, you know, they try the IUD, they don't like that. They get bleeding. It's painful. And they don't want the, they don't like the diaphragm because it's, you know, that big clunky thing. And so it's, there's never been anything, you know, out there up to this point with Fexi. So, okay. So now tell me, you know, how did, you know, you come up, was Fexi your idea? No. So it was developed by Rush University in Chicago. So in the early 90s, Rush University, so there were a lot of academic institutions that were looking at trying to develop a, what they call an MPT, a multi-purpose prevention technology for HIV prevention. Okay. So there were all these institutions working on it. There were seven or eight institutions and most of the studies failed because they were in vulnerable populations in South Africa and they just couldn't make the studies work. Well, Rush University realized that their product was because of how it works. So a normal vaginal pH is 3.5 to 4.5. That's it. When semen enters, the pH goes up to seven or eight and a woman gets pregnant. Correct. Same exact thing happens when pathogens like chlamydia and gonorrhea enter. Your pH goes up, therefore you get infected. Mm -hmm. So they recognized that this product was acid buffering and it maintained a natural pH, making the vagina inhospitable to semen and pathogens like chlamydia and gonorrhea. So they also knew as an academic institution, they needed to find a commercial partner. Got so it. that's when, um, so we now have global access to the product and global rights to it. So yes, they developed it originally, but yes, they're very, very, very thrilled, as you can imagine, that we now have it on market for contraception and then forthcoming to prevent chlamydia and gonorrhea. Yeah, the chlamydia, oh, that's going to be a game changer right there because, you know, like I said, there is nothing out there so far that can help prevent that. And, you know, it's, it's right up there with a lot of them, you know, hopefully one of these days we'll be, we'll, we'll get HPV down. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. And you know, what was interesting the other day I was talking to an OBGYN who said that one of his, what he had found in his practice is that one of the biggest issues for infertility are women who did not treat chlamydia. That oh yeah. Right. It went untreated. And so that was really interesting because I talk to young women who are very, very concerned about their ability to get pregnant when they want to, like, should they freeze their eggs? And they all know that IVF is financially and mentally and emotionally really challenging, right? Really difficult. And so, yeah, they're very concerned and they're wondering what's taking a synthetic hormone for 15 or 20 years doing to their ability to get pregnant. But yes, when he mentioned that about chlamydia, because you're right, there's nothing indicated for prevention of either chlamydia or gonorrhea. Yeah. So it's great that we're, yeah. Well, with chlamydia, the thing of it is, is that, you know, most people, most women don't even know that they have chlamydia until they come in and they ask for an STD check, or at the time that you get pregnant, they automatically run a chlamydia check and, oh, 
boom, you have it. Or if you have infertility issues, and I know I, my infertility docs, you know, they run it. Oh, that's why you didn't even know. It. And then it scars your tubes. And now you have to kind of think, how am I going to work backwards? Gonorrhea is a different thing, but chlamydia is very insidious. You don't even know a lot of the times that you have it. It's not painful unless you get PID and stuff like that. So right. that's, you know, from that point, that viewpoint there, but we need, we need, you know, being a woman's health practitioner, we need so many more better things. I can tell you because if men, and I don't say because you know I, I I love men. I'm married to man. I have have sons and all that kind of stuff like that. But if men had it entailed half the stuff that women go through, oh. we, we would have so much better things because a man would not tolerate ever doing right. half the crap that we do. Yes, that's what I say. <laughs> I say, can you imagine? Do you think a man would take something every day that made him feel bad just no. so that he could right? never in a million years? It's like women are such warriors, right? We just take on so much stuff, but it's so true. Well, as an aside, can I tell you, I have a son. And the funny part is, is that they did this thing called healthy chats where they told them about boys and girls bodies and they explained menses and what happens with your period. All the boys were like, oh my God. <laughs> That sounds horrible. Like they were just like in shock, right? Like, oh my goodness. But yeah, it was interesting to see, like they had no idea, you know, no perspective on it, but it's true. Women yeah. have a lot. But see, the thing of it is too, is that I think if men had like, like this contraceptive that you could use when you needed to use it, I think, and, and we gave it to men, had it would be much more easier for them because women don't trust men with contraception because they've got to get pregnant. They don't, they've got to carry it. So they're thinking, oh, maybe he's, he's just flaky about it. He may not think about it all the time, but you know, so I've got it, I've got to take it on. And we've made that. I think another thing with contraception is that we have to make it more of a talking point that it's a both partners need to come in and talk about the, about this issue because they play so much of it on just the woman, you know, okay, that's your job. And I'm like, no, you know, he needs, if you're going to be in a new sexual relationship, I tell my patients, they need to go get checked for STDs, just like you do, because, you know, it's not just a one-sided thing. And you got to talk about what kind of birth control or where are you looking to go with your relationship on this as a, as a couple? It's not just a one-sided thing. And we don't talk, I don't think enough men, we, I don't think we bring enough men into the conversation with a lot of these things and we kind of just push them out, out the side. So maybe that's another, another conversation for another day. We'll get them to come on over, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I like that. So the thing of this too is like, um, have you seen has um, has COVID? How has COVID affect? Has it made a, an impact on Fexi? Have we have you seen? Now I know. Okay, so I'm just going to back up here and show a little ignorance. Okay, because I did my I did my did my do, 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 but I will have a question for you too. So is it going to ever be like over the counter? Like how Plan B is over the counter now? Will it ever get FDA approval where a woman can just go and get it herself, or is it always going to have to be like in a prescription form where where a provider is going to have to give it to them? Well, here's what I would tell you. So the reason we wanted to be prescription out of the gate is because of the legislative mandate of ACA, Affordable Care Act, that one product in every category is covered, okay? So now they, the Department of Labor just came out with a mandate that every FDA, if you're an FDA-approved contraceptive product, plans have to cover you at zero copay. Correct. So women ideally will get more access at the moment, okay? But I would tell you this, the product is so incredibly safe. I would say after we come out with the chlamydia and gonorrhea indications, and those are on the market for a few years, um, 
I think very much down the road, the product could be over the counter. No, no question, because it's, look, it's safe. It makes so much sense. And, you know, depending on what happens politically with the legislative mandates, you know what I mean? It's, it's a, it's a place where over time, once our scale grows up, meaning we get a lot more women on it, our cost of goods will lower. We right. can't afford to, to, you know, create a situation where women will get more access. But yes, um, I definitely think that that is a very good option. But I think it will be post the chlamydia and gonorrhea indicator. Got it. Okay, cool. So with the new um, with the new ACA guideline mandate, so that means now that like no matter what your insurance is, the insurance is going to cover if a woman goes and wants to get the product. Correct. 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 Okay. Now there are a few plans that are still trying to block because they're not being forced to do this till the end of the year, till the end of 2022. But as long as the doctor fills out a prior authorization form, which is yeah. very, very simple, checks one box, then they have to cover it. But we have trained our reps to say, look, doctors are busy. Offices are busy. Sometimes they don't want to do these forms. So the sales force is going in. And if it is a case where we know that a plan might be blocking a woman, the sales force goes in and does the prior auth forms with the office staff to oh, make sure cool. they go through. Yeah, cool. it's really cool. good. It's good. Yeah. So now tell me again. Okay, so a woman will go to the site. Yep. They would get hooked up with somebody on the site to talk to them, and then they could just go ahead and give their insurance information to your people on your site. They would kind of see it, go through all this, and then the product was like is shipped to them, or does the product come through like um, a, a regular pharmacy, like like CVS and all those type of things? Like if I wanted to write it, where's it? If I want to write it for my patients, where's it going to come from? Both. Okay, so you can either go to Fexi.com and get it online, and it will be shipped through our fulfillment house within 24 or 48 hours, or if you were to write it, all the pharmacies are stocked with Rite Aid, CVS, Kroger, you can go to the pharmacy and get it there as well. Okay, so cool. Both places. So we have full distribution, you know, with all the wholesalers, full distribution pharmacy network, all of that. So you can get it at a pharmacy or you can get it through online through our telemedicine platform. Oh, that's kind of cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's fascinating. So I'm just going to ask you, I mean, you have any, besides the chlamydia and the gonorrhea, um, yep. is your company working on any other innovative products um, that you can talk about? Well, so we just signed an agreement to work with a company called Orion to combine. They want to look at our product for HIV prevention. So we are doing a, basically an investigative proof of concept to show that we could prevent HIV, which we think is gonna be important, particularly XUS. We know that a lot of donors will be very, very interested in funding that so that we could take that globally. Um, but then we're also looking at other products. So we're saying, okay, look, we really wanna be able to build our portfolio. So we're trying to look at other unmet needs. So look, I have to tell you that I've had investors say to me, why did your company, why your company was invisible? Why didn't Pfizer or Merck or a giant company come out with a non-hormonal contraceptive? And I said, look, because it's quicker and cheaper for them to just come out with a lower dose in a different delivery form. Okay. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of effort to bring a brand new NDA product to the market. And they just weren't motivated to do it. They weren't incentivized to do it. So we're trying to do that same thing. So one, we're innovated in contraception. We're innovating in sexually transmitted infection. So now we're trying to say, what are the other areas of unmet need, right? What are the other places where women don't have good choices? And is there a company that's working on it that maybe doesn't have a commercial team? Like we have a sales force. We have, you know, we have the whole footprint. So sometimes there are companies that get a product close to market, but they don't have the money to commercialize it. So we're doing a heavy dive right now to see what are the other products in development that we could think about adding, or are there other areas that we should start doing study on studies on, you know, to bring a product to market? 
Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, the, the big companies, they probably probably wouldn't be interested anyways, because most of the time they're half the half, the, almost all the, the contraception that's out there is generic. Yes. Okay? And we all know, well, the lay consumer doesn't understand generic. Okay. But those of us, you know, behind the scenes, we understand generic and how that stuff is made. And you can't even like, you know, a lot of my patients, they'll be on the same this for like a couple months. And then the next month it's different. It looks different. It's in a different package because they bargained with some other thing to get it cheaper. And you're constantly being, you know, thrown over. And that can be another reason, but the big hormonal stuff like that. But I think that it takes a smaller company with a, um, you know, just a broader thinking that really wants to hone in on these things. I don't think that big pharma really cares. I shouldn't say that, but it's the truth. I don't think that they care. And I think that women, especially in our area of stuff, we're, we're low at the bottom here. You know? It's true. Well, and for example, right? 800,000 women get cancer every year, right? 800,000 women. And what about their daughters and their sisters? And what about the 800,000 last year, right? Most yeah. of them could never use a hormone again, right? If they're still having fertility. So Fexi is the perfect product, not just because it has no hormones, but also because it's lubricating. And a lot of those women have vaginal dryness or pain with intercourse, especially when they're on anti-estrogen products. Yeah. And so small companies, right? Like we really, I love that point because we're really leaning into every aspect of what kind of women would be perfect for this, but we also are trying to be very edgy too. You know, like all contraceptive marketing by big pharma is fear-based, right? You don't want to get pregnant. You don't want to get pregnant. We're talking about sex on demand for women and pleasure and wow, what an idea. Women should have pleasurable sex. And big pharma wouldn't take those kinds of risks. And we want to take those kinds of risks because we want women to know, look, we really care about women in a very, very meaningful way. And, and I know that might sound crazy. We're a women's healthcare company, but to your point, some companies, they only give a shit about shareholder return. Now we care about that, but we're going to get there because we care about women first, yep. you know? So, yeah, it, it takes, it takes a village, as you know, to build things and it takes smaller villages because you're not going to crack big pharma. That's just, it's, it's just not going to happen. Exactly. You know, and it's like, like, for instance, I'll, here's a product that you can think about somewhere in the marketplace, because I think about it all the time. Women hate going in for a pap smear. Everybody hates it. There needs to be, we're in two, we're in 2022. For goodness sakes, there needs to be something better than coming in, spreading your legs and, and, you know, and having the instrument put in where people don't like it to get some cells off your cervix. Now, you know, I sit there and I boggle my brain, like, how could I come up with something (laughs) where we're going to get the cells because we need a particular component. Yeah, I get that. But there's got to be something that's different. And no, you know, because men don't have to come in for a pap smear. They don't even have to have their prostates checked anymore that, you know, that. That all went out the window like several years ago. So, you know, we used to say, oh, well, the men, we got to do a pap smear. They have to do a prostate exam. Well, they don't have to do that anymore because they ruled that out too many false negatives. But poor us, we have to come in now, you know, and get pap smears. And then I think about like what you just said about the, um, the changing, the, the different dynamics in your journey. A lot of perimenopausal women, they don't, you know, they still, if their FSH isn't high, quite high enough, they can still ovulate periodically and get yes. pregnant get and, pregnant. They and they don't want to be on a birth control pills when their hormones are already changing going through this perimenopause and they're in that flux and they already feel like crap and then you're going to say okay well here's what you can do you can either do implanon you can do um the pill or you can do this so there just needs to be more variety that actually that you know like you said so that women have some control and can say this is the path that i choose but up until now there really hasn't been much of anything that a woman could choose you know it's been this is it and you know that's it 
Yes. Well, and by the way, I, well, the one cool thing to your point, all these perimenopausal women, the ones that have tried Fexi, I mean, they literally, oh my goodness, because they tell me they were using lubrication anyway, as part of intimacy. And it's so simple. They put an applicator in their pocket, they put it in their purse and they're like, boom, this is the best thing ever because one, they don't want to get pregnant, you know, but they don't want to take a hormone every day. You're right. Because their bodies are changing naturally. But I love that you said that because it really is almost like an ideal product for that subset of women. It's incredible, yeah. right? And so, yeah, it's really, um, I find it interesting that in, in women who are breastfeeding, they don't want to have hormones yeah. in the breast milk, right? So there's just, it's such an interesting thing when you think about the fact that there's so many reasons not to put a hormone in your body that you don't need. Correct. You know? And so, so yeah, we're excited about that. Yeah, me too, because, you know, we talk to women on all these other perspectives and we talk to them about toxicity, you know, and don't, you know, look at all your makeup, go switch this, take out the toxic products out of your home, take it out of this, take it out of your food. But then, you know, what are they doing every day? They're putting a toxic birth control method into their bodies and they don't, and they don't understand that too. So, you know, it's just, it just takes a lot more of awareness and education. And I think that that's where it's going to come in. I'm, you know, I'm just, I, like I said, when I saw, <clears throat> heard about the product and I heard about it like a couple of years ago and my friend, my colleague at work, she even uses it. And we were talking, I said, oh yeah. I said, how do you get this? And she was telling me, I said, yeah, we need to bring this to our practice. You know, at least start talking to people about it because you know, you get, unfortunately, you know, medical providers get stuck in their brains. Okay. This is what I've always used. And this is what I'm going to use all the time. And when a newer product comes out, most of the time, our attitudes are, well, it's not going to be covered by insurance anyhow. So uh, forget it. And you are so right. We are so bogged down in paperwork that, you know, our office doesn't even like to do prior offs. And so we end up a lot of times I feel bad. I, I mean, I, I try to have my nurse do it because I feel bad patients. Then what do they do? They're stuck. Right. Right. So, you know, as, as much as, as that is being taken out of that through your company, that is a great thing to do. And I think that more people need to do that too. So thank you. I appreciate thank you. that. No, thank you for saying that. No, really, I'm grateful. Well, it's, you really get it at a very, at a clinical, but a, a really intimate level. And I'm so grateful for that because it's true. It's time for change, right? Just because something's been done one way, it doesn't make it right. There are moments in time when categories change forever. And I really believe that it's this moment, you know, so we're excited to be here. Yeah. And, you know, things could change, but I, the, the problem is like, you know, with, even with, you know, when we talk about big government too, and that is they don't talk to the people who it really matters to like, you know, let's survey the women who have, who are affected, or let's survey the people that have to deal with the women who are affected, you know, but no, that's no, nobody comes on the board. This it's like people who don't even practice make these rules. And it's usually men who make the rules, nothing against them again, but it's like, you know, what about the women who have to be subjected to all these things or, you know, all of us who have to do it. So I think, you know, the more that, you know, we get panels and we get women talking about this and demystifying these topics, because, you know, most women, I think that they don't even talk about their, their contraception. They don't even talk about like how miserable it is. They do come in and they'll tell me like, you know, I just, you know, I've tried it. It's horrible. I don't know what else to do you know, and all kinds of different things. So now that there's an alternative, so I'm very happy about, about that too. And I'm excited about the, definitely about the chlamydia and then the gonorrhea and the gonorrhea thing. And then down the road, even the HIV, because, you know, that's another big prevalent thing that's, that's out there too. We don't, we don't talk enough about that either. So all good. So lastly here. Okay. So I wanted to talk, cause I always ask, you know, wrapping things up and stuff like that, because you're a mom, you're a businesswoman and all that kind of stuff. And I know, you know, you say that it looks different every day, but you know, what is, self-care and how do you work that into your life of being, you know, the head of a company and, you know, wanting to manifest all these different passions and stuff that, that you do, how do you bring it all together? 
So for me, I learned that so early on, well, I don't know about early on, but once I finally got a grip and got a clue, I realized that I had to put myself on my own priority list. And so for self-care for me, honest to God, I used to try all this stuff where I would set these long-term goals. So I, none of that worked. So what I do, I literally do some, sometimes monthly, but sometimes just weekly goals. So literally on Sunday, I say to myself, all right, look, I look at the landscape of my work schedule and I say, all right, I'm going to work out three times this week. That's all I can do and still stay sane, but I'm going to do three times. I'm going to do three times, but then I say, I'm going to do Monday morning, Wednesday morning, and Saturday. That's a staple. Anything extra is gravy, but those are the three days I'm working out. Number one. Then I say number two. Then I go through and I say, okay, I am going to try to meditate twice a week. And between you and me, it's very hard for me to meditate. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> I am so hyper. And I'm like, okay, you're going to try to meditate. And so, but I do things that are attainable, right? But then I also say, all right, look, you can only have two missteps on your, two missteps mean two bad foods, meaning, okay, maybe you can have two glasses of wine on Tuesday and you can have two martinis on Friday. But I literally give myself rules. But I also, for example, I have, I have an infrared sleeping bag. Okay. And I love it. it. I feel like it detoxes me, you know, it detoxifies my whole body. So when I have a really bad day at work, I go home and for 20 minutes, I lay in that infrared sleeping bag and I'm like, okay, I've released all the toxins. I'm good again. <laughs> I'm now shed all the bad. Here I am. But the final thing that I do, I really do say to myself, okay, during the week, I'm a single mom. So I make a goal for the, I make a goal for work. I make a goal for me. I make a goal for my son. And they can be simple, by the way, like, you know, like yeah. for my son, I say, all right, look, I'm going to make sure that this week I take the time to ask him about this. I figure out the right moment, the right thing. And I really, it has changed my life because it makes me feel like I am at least making progress. And I don't set goals that are so crazy. Like I'm not going to exercise every day. That's just not reality. Okay, I'm not going to eat perfect every day. That's not reality. But if I can do that a little bit more than not, I end the week and I feel pretty darn good, you know, but, but yeah, I do think the sleep thing. And the other thing is skin. So I'm very, um, I'm very focused on my skin because I went through cancer treatment and after all of my treatment and therapy, my skin was really gray. And so I also too, once a week, do some kind of a self-care mask or a vitamin C or something so yeah, those are the things, but you know, I think it's different for everybody, but I do think the easy, simple goals that are real. And the final thing I want to say is that sometimes my exercise is 20 minutes, right? It's 20 minutes in my bedroom on a videotape, or sometimes I go to an exercise class, right? I used to give myself a hard time when I didn't do everything right all the time. Well, come on, that got really tired. And so yeah, I finally yeah. was like, look, I got to get over this. I got to be my own friend, not my own enemy here. And so now I give myself a break as long as I, you know, do pretty good. So yeah. that's the self-care part. No, I, that, that is so perfect. And it's going to be, we just wrapped up doing a month of talking about habits on the podcast. And, you know, I talked to them exactly about this small things, because the reason most of us fail is because, you know, as women, I don't care whatever we automatically in our brains see ourselves as able to do everything all the time, every minute and get it all done, no matter what. So we say, oh yes, I can do that. Cause yes, we, we, we think we can do that, but in reality you can't. So then you, you know, you can't do that. So 
it's small, simple wins, you know, here and there, you know, and like you said, penciling it in and just doing three days a week. That's what, that's what I do too. I mean, you can't be everywhere all the time and do everything. So you just have to kind of figure out how you can weave it into your life. That makes sense. Like, you know, I'm sitting here, I drink my, I drink my, my water every day. That's, that's my new commitment. I'm trying to get up to 60 fluid ounces a day. Haven't quite made it yet, but I'm working on it, you know, and just, I'm like, okay, well, I got almost to the top today. That, that's a good thing, you know? And, you know, praising yourself because we are our, our own worst enemies. I think women, you know, we do, we just beat ourselves up tremendously. And I think that we need to just stop it, but we need to have, like I said, you know, like you were talking about more positive role models in, in the space and just seeing it. I don't think we see it enough. That's the problem. I mean, it's out there and you hear it spur of the moment here and here, but you don't see it enough. So, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I just, I, I just want, now I'm going I'm to want to see you on your Instagram because I follow you there. Come up with all this. <laughs> I will. No, I'm going to work on it. No, but can I, be, no, I love talking to people like you though, because it matters, right? You, you get it. Like innovation makes a huge difference, you know, and for every aspect of women's lives. But I actually love the fact that you're really putting out there about how to help women feel good about themselves, right? Not just feel good about themselves, but really acknowledge that these little wins and these smaller goals are fantastic, right? We've got to be able to put ourselves first without guilt because everybody else benefits. When we're happy, we know everybody else benefits from it, you know? Yeah. And so, so no, I love the whole sentiment. So thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So how can people get a hold of you? And, you know, do you want them to follow you on your personal Instagram? Do you want them to follow on the Fexi Instagram? You know, um, where do you want to send them? What do you, let me know. Yep. No, I would love to, Kate, I would love people to go to Fexi.com to learn about the product and how to get it. It is really so, it is the best platform, I think, to learn also about me and the company. But Fexi.com is really the right place because we're constantly now really leaning into education this year, by the way, and we're really going to do a big push about our bodies and how they work. And so I think that will probably be the best served, I think, for, for women and your listeners. And so thank you for asking that, by the way. Yeah, no problem. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So ladies, go check it out. Go to Fexy.com, read about it, see if this is something for you. Give it a try. You know, I mean, People are so afraid of new things. And I think, you know, we just got to go and give it and give it a try. Nobody says, you know, if you don't like it, you can't go back to other things. But this is such a better way of not putting hormones in your body. And it's something that you can control. And especially for all my perimenopausal women and even moving into menopause. OK, you know, when you're at that in-between stage, this is a perfect alternative. So, you know, give it a try. So, Sandra, thank you so much for being here. I thoroughly appreciate your time. And um, we will connect and I'll put all of this up there for everybody to get in touch with you. Thank you. So, so nice to talk with you. Have a Thanks. great day. Yeah, have a great day. Okay. Thanks. Fexi is a non-hormonal birth control used before sex to prevent pregnancy. Don't use Fexi if you have problems with your urinary tract or a history of repeated UTIs. Common side effects are vaginal burning, itching, infection, discharge, UTIs, genital area discomfort, bacterial vaginosis, or pain while urinating. Fexi does not protect against STIs.